bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, October 20th, 2020. We're now officially two weeks away from November 3rd, Election Day. Or maybe I should say November 3rd, the end of Election Day. That's because we already have early voting and mail-in voting in many states. I'm happy to share that we'll have a special election edition of the podcast that will air on Wednesday, November 4th. Basically, Tax Credit Tuesday will be Tax Credit Wednesday that week. Then, we're going to provide a breakdown of election results, to the extent we know them, key congressional committee positions, to the extent we can project, as well as the outlook for tax incentive legislation. You're not going to miss that special Wednesday, November 4th, Tax Credit Wednesday. Be sure that you're subscribed to the Novograd Tax Credit Tuesday podcast now, so you'll be notified as soon as that election episode becomes available. This podcast is also going to be available, as are all all of our podcasts, to stream directly from www.novaco.com slash podcast. That's where you'll find an archive, including each of our previous 300 podcast episodes. You'll also find a PDF of our show notes, including relevant links. Now, in addition to our website, the podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Radio Public. No matter which platform you prefer, please make sure to subscribe. And if there's any platforms you'd like us to post it to, it's not on already, please let us know. Also, any positive reviews are always welcome and very much appreciated. In today's podcast, I'm going to start with an update on the continued stalemate regarding the next COVID-19 stimulus bill. Then I'll share insights from the most recent Novogratic Opportunity Zones Working Group Comment Letter on ways that the IRS can clarify gray areas in Opportunity Zones regulations. The larger goal of the letter is to help make the Opportunity Zones incentive an even more effective community development tool. After that, I'm going to share what qualified opportunity funds need to know about the draft Form 8997. That's the IRS form that's used for initial and annual statements of qualified opportunity fund investments by investors. I'll close with news about the Fed's advanced notice of proposed rulemaking for Community Reinvestment Act regulation changes. I'll also share a proposal to extend the Renewable Energy Production Tax Credit and Investment Tax Credit through the year 2050, albeit only for certain qualifying areas. If you're ready, let's get started. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi last Sunday announced a 48-hour deadline to reach a deal with Senate Republicans and the White House on COVID-19 stimulus legislation. Speaker Pelosi said that the 48-hour deadline is to help prompt a deal on a bill that can pass both chambers of Congress before the November 3rd election, as I noted earlier, which is two weeks away. Negotiations on a stimulus bill could still continue after today, which is the end of the 48 hours, but House Speaker Nancy Pelosi wasn't sure if it did continue, such a bill could pass both houses and be signed by the president before Election Day. As matters stand now, there's a gulf between the $1.8 trillion package offered by the White House and the $2.2 trillion package that was passed by the House. Aside from the $400 billion difference in price tags between the House and White House proposals, there are other differences, 
including language about COVID-19 testing and tracing. Speaker Pelosi said that the Trump administration has watered down language that House Democrats are pushing for in terms of a national COVID-19 testing and tracing plan. Now, meanwhile, Senate Republicans appear to be in an island of their own in terms of a COVID-19 proposal. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is planning a vote this week on his $500 billion stimulus plan, which is far less than what the Trump administration and House Democrats are proposing. Now, Senate Democrats are expected to reject the GOP proposal as offering insufficient funding. As always, I'll continue to keep you posted on any updates through future episodes of the podcast, as well as through Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Novogratik. The Opportunity Zones Working Group last week sent a letter to the IRS. This letter makes recommendations as to what the IRS should include in its priority guidance plan for their plan year 2020 to 2021. That's the list that the IRS works off of to issue guidance. Now, the letter makes 11 suggestions that could help make the Opportunity Zones incentive even more effective and efficient at driving investment into distressed communities. Now, I'm going to highlight three of those 11 recommendations here in this podcast. I selected the three based on how widely applicable they are to qualified Opportunity Zones businesses, which means they're widely applicable to qualified Opportunity Funds. Now, the first of the three recommendations I'm going to discuss here relates to satisfying the 70% tangible property standard by Opportunity Zones businesses. Now, the 70% standard is one of the key requirements to be a qualified Opportunity Zones business. Specifically, at least 70% of the tangible property that is owned or leased by business needs to be qualified Opportunity Zone business property, often referred to as QASB, the acronym Q-O-Z-B-P, QASB. Now, in order for that business to be considered a qualified zone business, it has to meet the 70% standard. Now, the problem with this standard is that many startup businesses are finding the standard difficult or nearly impossible to meet during their startup phase. The Opportunity Zones Working Group, the OZ Working Group, our letter asked the IRS to amend certain sections of the regulations so that any business that satisfy the requirement of the working capital safe harbor would be deemed to satisfy the 70% test during the working capital safe harbor period. Now, making that proposed change would lessen the risk of startups failing to qualify as qualified opportunity zone businesses. Some might say it's a clarification. Is it a change? It's unclear. Clarity would be preferred. The hope is that investors could have more confidence to invest in opportunity zone startups with this clarifying or changing rule. Now, the second working group recommendation that I want to highlight clarifies issues around working capital assets, or what we're going to call during the podcast cash. In order for cash to be considered reasonable working capital, it has to be spent by the business, emphasis on by the business. Now, in the real world, businesses often don't see or handle that cash. Instead, they'll request draws from a construction lender, and the lender actually pays the construction cost directly. 
That's how many constructions or most construction loans typically work, which begs the question as to whether or not those funds can be treated as working capital if the business isn't the one directly spending the cash. The OZ Working Group recommends that the IRS consider that infusions of working capital assets, any payments made on behalf of a business by a lender. This regulation clarification would better reflect real-world applications as to how construction loans operate. The third working group recommendation I want to mention during today's podcast is all too timely and applicable for many businesses. The recommendation relates to federally declared disasters. Now, businesses aiming to meet the working capital safe harbor requirement have to use their working capital assets in a manner that is, quote, substantially consistent with their written plan and their schedule for the development of a trader business. The question comes up, though, what happens when a federally declared disaster forces a business to alter its plans? For instance, what if construction projects are suddenly delayed because of a disaster? What if the intended timeline is no longer feasible? Even more, what if the original business plan no longer makes economic sense because of a disaster? These are all challenges that a business can face in the wake of a disaster, such as a COVID-19 pandemic. That's why the OZ Working Group recommends that the IRS provide relief to businesses in these situations and confirm that changing one's plans because of a federal declared disaster will not cause a business to fail the working capital safe harbor requirement to use its working capital assets in a manner substantially consistent with its written plan and schedule. Now, as I said, these three recommendations are just out of 11 overall recommendations submitted by the OZ Working Group. Now, if you work with the Opportunity Zones Incentive and you haven't joined the Opportunity Zones Working Group yet, please consider this an invitation to join us. We have members from various stakeholder groups, including investors, syndicators, lenders, developers, consultants, and more. As a member, you're able to comment on the comment letters before they go to the IRS. Also, if you have ideas and issues that you would like to see addressed, then you can incorporate those into our discussions and they may end up adding a 12th or a 13th issue to our letters to the IRS. In order to learn more about the Opportunity Zones Working Group, go to www.opportunityzonesresourcecenter.com or just simply search Novogradic Opportunity Zones or Novogradic Opportunity Zones Working Group. As a note, many of our Opportunity Zones Working Group members will be attending this week's Novogradic Opportunity Zones Fall Virtual Conference. That's just a few days away, this Thursday, October 22nd, and Friday, October 23rd. And if you join the Opportunity Zones Working Group now, attending the virtual conference would be a great way to connect with other members of the group through the conference networking events. You can register for the conference at www.novico.com events or simply search Novogradic Opportunity Zones Conference. I have more Opportunity Zones news for you. The IRS posted an updated draft of Form 8997 last week, along with new instructions for the form. We at Novogradic are constantly monitoring draft IRS forms as they get released to review any comments we might want to make on those forms. 
Now, Form 8997 is the form that taxpayers use to track their investments in qualified opportunity funds. The updated form includes two significant changes. And the draft also includes a continuing possible conflict. Now, let's talk first about the significant changes, then I'll mention the possible conflict. The first change is the addition of a special gain code or codes that will be required when a taxpayer's qualified opportunity fund investment originated from an elected deferred gain. In other words, taxpayers with elected gains will specify the source of the gain that they invested in the qualified opportunity fund. Now, the gains that can be deferred include Section 1256 gains, Section 1231 gains, and gains arising from straddles, collectibles, and those that would otherwise be tax-exempt by treaty. Now, previous versions of Form 8997 didn't require this, although taxpayers obviously knew their source, and they knew that those sources of income, when they do recognize them sometime in the future, have different income tax consequences. This new data on the form will allow the IRS to track the source of those elected gains used for Opportunity Zones investments to help confirm when the gains are ultimately recognized, they're treated correctly, and their character is retained. Now, the other significant change in Form 8997 is really simply an incorporation of something that was already required, albeit not as part of the form. The draft form has two new questions for foreign eligible taxpayers. This applies to taxpayers who are not U.S. residents. For such taxpayers, the Opportunity Zone Incentive requires those who wish to make an election for gains to irrevocably waive any treaty benefits that might exempt the gain. Again, that waiver was already a requirement, but Form 8997 required taxpayers, the prior form, to file with the form a statement acknowledging that they made the waiver. The new Form 8997 has the waiver as part of the form, so it's simpler. The waiver is just part of the form rather than an attached statement. Now, let's talk about a potential conflict between Form 8997 and another IRS form. Now, a manager in Overgradic Dover office, Jason Watkins, he has observed that a potential conflict exists between the Form 8997 and the existing Form 8949. Now, Jason is part of our Opportunities Working Group, and those of you that are members have heard him present on many topics in the course of our monthly meetings. And he's also been a contributor to every edition of the Novogratic Opportunity Zones Handbook, which is, by the way, in the process of being edited. Now, he's also a speaker at our Opportunity Zones conferences, including the conference this week. But let's get back to the form. Form 8949 is the form that shows capital gain deferral. And Jason points out that taxpayers must include their gain and investment of capital gains on Form 8949. Now, the instructions to Form 8949 also state that taxpayers who defer tax on an eligible gain by investing in an opportunity fund need to complete Form 8997, the form I just talked about. So the problem arises when a taxpayer realizes a capital gain in one tax year, but doesn't make the investment into an opportunity fund until the next year. So for example, let's say a taxpayer whose tax year ends December 31, 2020, the end of this year, realizes a capital gain in November of 2020, but doesn't invest those gains into a qualified opportunity fund until March of 2021. 
The question is, how would they report that on Form 8997? Form 8997 is used to identify investments made, owned, or disposed of during the current tax year. Now, in our example, the taxpayer didn't acquire the fund investment until 2021. So per the Form 8997 instructions, they seemingly would not have a requirement to fill out Form 8997 until their 2021 tax filing. This isn't a new issue. It's an ongoing one. Hopefully, the IRS will clarify the issue soon. And if you find yourself in that situation, please reach out to an Overgotic office near you and we'll help you navigate it. Now, we expect the IRS to post a request for comments on the draft form 8997 any day now. When a draft tax form is released, it's typically finalized in some form, except for typographical errors. Now, there could be changes, but there usually aren't any changes after the form is posted. It's reasonable to expect that to happen with Form 8997, although comments are welcome and we'll likely be submitting them. Now, these changes and challenges will be discussed this week at, you guessed it, the Novogratic 2020 Opportunity Zones Fall Virtual Conference. In other news, a Federal Reserve Board proposed rule was published in the Federal Register. The rule, an advance notice of proposed rulemaking, would modernize Community Reinvestment Act regulations. The Fed is seeking public comment on how evaluating banks meets the needs of low-income and moderate-income communities and their residents. Publishing the advance notice proposed rulemaking in the Federal Register marks the kickoff of a 120-day comment period. The Fed will accept comments on proposed regulations through February 16, 2021. You can rest assured the Novogratic LIHTC Working Group, New Market Task Credit Working Group, and Opportunity Zones Working Group all plan to submit comments by the deadline. And if you'd like to join that discussion, if you're not already a member, please consider joining one or more of our working groups. Now, turning to legislative news, a bill was introduced last week to create and expand renewable energy tax credits. The bill is the Energy Opportunity Zones Act of 2020. This bill designates areas hit by nuclear plant and coal shutdowns as energy opportunity zones. Now, I should note, these designations are unrelated to the Opportunity Zones incentive, despite the similarity in names. Now, for these designated Opportunity Zones, the bill would extend the Renewable Energy Production Tax Credit and the Investment Tax Credit until the year 2050. The legislation would also modify and extend through 2050 the following, the Section 25 Cap C Energy Efficiency Tax Credit, the Section 45 Cap L Home Builders High Energy Efficient Tax Credit, and the Section 179 Cap D Energy Efficient Commercial and Multifamily Building Deduction. Now, the bill would also create a new tax credit for offshore wind and energy storage. You can learn more about efforts to extend and expand renewable energy tax incentives at our upcoming Novogratic 2020 Financing Renewable Energy Tax Credits Fall Virtual Conference. That conference is being held November 5th and 6th, just a few days after the election, or I should say the end of election day. Now register now to save your spot at this event. Simply go to www.novaco.com slash events or just enter into your search engine Novogratic Ruble Energy Tax Credits Fall Virtual Conference. 
Well, that brings it to the end of this week's report. I do hope to see you at our virtual Opportunity Zones conference later this week, this Thursday and Friday. And I also hope to see you next week at Novogratz 2020 New Markets Tax Credit Fall Virtual Conference. That's being held on October 29th and 30th. Two great community development virtual conferences you won't want to miss. I'll include registration links for both conferences in today's show notes and tweet them out as well. That's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived podcasts are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. You can find related links referenced in this podcast in our show notes at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast. Novogratik and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.